if you want to be a professional artist mm. you have to train mm -hmm. we can't minimize training like you can't minimize training in the medical profession Hi, welcome to Storia, a show about disruptive storytellers. I'm David Naranya. And I'm Fabiano Altamora. So, man, this has been uh, a couple of years in the making. We've been talking about this for a little bit. Uh, a little bit more than a couple of years. I think it's probably more like three years, but yeah. we're finally here. Yeah, yeah. And I think the most exciting thing for me is, I mean, you and I have been friends now for about 10 years. We've probably had this conversation <laughs> in your car or my car yep. about yep. 55 times. Um, but I think I'm excited about exploring something with you and with our guests. We're going to have all kinds of guests. What yeah. kind of guests do you think we're going to bring? We're going to have guests from all spectrums within the creative community, you know, from influencers, preachers, poets, yep. film stars, inside of singers, the church, outside of the church, inside of the church, outside of the church. Because I think, you know, the thing that really, I think we, we really believe in is the yeah. fact that, you know, it's like, creatives aren't meant to be in the four walls of the church they're meant to be outside in the world you know we are as creative we explore everything we have a little bit of add you know what i'm saying it's hard for us to sit still right Is what's that fair the to difference say? between add and adhd i'm trying to figure if i'm one of those i'm not sure which one it is I, i'm fairly certain we have them both we have them both so you'll be add i'm adhd okay great great no i think it's important that you know creatives don't just have a voice in the church yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons I think you and I wanted to do this was, I mean, we teach artists at, at the Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, yeah. and a, a lot of our students, unintentionally, well-intended parents, uh, church leaders, uh, because we're a difficult species to mm -hmm. understand, we've we've maybe either gotten hurt or confused or maybe not felt like we've had a place. And yeah. I think part of what you and I are, are trying to do with Storia is to create that that space, that place where yeah. artists can engage in conversations and topics that are tough. They're challenging sometimes because it's not easy yeah. being an artist. It's not easy being an artist. And you're absolutely right. It's like, I think when we came from our backgrounds, right? You know, you weren't a believer in the industry to start with. I was, but I didn't know where I fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, even I got saved when I was like 15. Well, And I don't think the church understood where to put me. Yeah. And I don't know if I fully understood who I was in the world. Mm -hmm. So that beautiful journey of uncovering that yeah. as a believer in the industry and then now training artists to do that, it's just, it's a privilege, bro. It is a privilege. I know you and I, you know, we've, we've often gotten an opportunity to speak either at a conference yeah. or here at Bethel. And, you know, one of the topics that you and I explore is this idea of who's going to welcome the creative prodigals, sons and daughters, home and it's often yeah. a charge and a challenge that we give yeah. to leaders i really hope that story of this this show this space is going to be one of those places that yeah. welcomes creatives back home because i i know that you and i both firmly believe that the next great revival is going to come from creatives 100 percent. i haven't heard you say that for a long time that hit me man mm -hmm. creating you know what i mean welcoming the creative particles huh whoo Dude, that's, that's insane. I haven't heard that for a while. And I know you've used that a lot, but it's so true. Like we are welcoming people home. I mean, that's, listen, that's what the conservatory is about is, I mean, listen, I think it's beautiful because you trained with the Lord. I trained without the Lord. And we're yeah. going to be exploring that over a whole series of, of episodes. Yeah. Uh, today, I'm going to get to do one of my favorite things. And even though we've had this conversation, I'm actually really excited to ask you about you. You know, we, 
I, I love that the word begins with Genesis. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite books because yeah. as a storyteller, as a writer, I see it as a once upon a time. And I love that our father is a master storyteller. And I love that he starts at the beginning. Yeah. It reminds me of Sound of Music. Let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> but thinking about starting Genesis stories, man, I know your story, but but I was thinking you about- do? Well, you know, we, <laughs> <laughs> we've done this a couple of times. A couple of times. In lots of different ways. We take this this show on the road all the time. All the time. But I, I had, here's a question that I haven't ever asked you. What What is your- because today it's going to be about you. And then in a future episode, I think you're going to flip it and you're going to ask me about me. Yeah. And then down the line, we've got a lot of exciting guests, but we're also going to tell you the Genesis story of, of the school that we've started. But mm-hmm. here's a question I've never asked you. What's your earliest memory of wanting to be an artist? I would say like definitively that changed my life. Yeah. So I was thinking about this because I had to write it down for like, I'm yeah. trying to figure out something it's called my one degree. Mm. And it started with actually, I always said it starting with the watching the movie Big. Well, that's what I've heard you say before, but I felt like this morning in the car, I was going to ask you that question and you were going to share something else. It started with a movie Splash. <laughs> Profound and deep. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the funny thing was watching that movie, I think was the catalyst mm. to then wanting to go to the movies more. Mm. And I think what solidified it was big. Okay, so other than Daryl mm. Hannah, uh, what what exactly? <laughs> I was far too young, far 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 too young. <laughs> okay, this is my favorite yeah. thing about you because he's a deep deep well. And yeah. if you get him talking about acting, which I'm excited to get into today, but you know what I love about you is that for some reason, like <laughs> '80s American films, for some reason, go deep for you. Oh, but dude, they're the best movies, and both of those yeah. movies had Tom Hanks in. Okay. So, okay. Before we get to Tom, because I know yeah. that Tom, and we actually have a cool connection to cool, Tom. Cool, cool connection. But yeah. what, can you remember what, how old were you when you saw that? Oh, goodness me. I think I was probably eight. Okay. Eight it's or funny nine. because in the car, I had this picture of you that you were going to tell me a story from when yeah. you were, you were young. So, okay. So you're eight it years old. It goes back yeah. even further than okay. that. Oh, I remember a movie called Dragon Slayer. Oh yeah. And we had it on a VHS. Okay. And my parents... You just dated yourself, by the way. I, <laughs> I, exactly. I did date myself. I'm 47, just in case anybody was asking. I do look older, but well, my wife says I look older. With wizened. 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 But I'm a sage. So I would watch that like probably three or four times in the day. And The, the, the Dragon Slayer yeah, film? Yeah, and New Things, Officer and a Gentleman as well. Oh, that's a great film. Dude, and I was just completely immersed when I would watch any of these movies. And I wouldn't watch them once. I would watch them back to back to back to was back. Was it the acting thing? Was it the story thing? What I was it, it was that the was... story, okay. dude. I don't know if I had it or could articulate that it was the acting at the time. Yeah. It was definitely the story. And right. I, like I said to yeah. you, you're the story guy. I'm the character guy, well, which man. is weird. But like, it's funny mm-hmm. thinking back. And we've never had this conversation. No, we haven't. And it's funny, it's just coming to light now. It was the story, bro. All right, so we're going to get to acting in a second. Um, so you're, you're watching these stories over and over and over again. And did you, did you have any sense that this is what you wanted to do? Or was it just excitement and... Uh, big, I did. After Big. Okay, so, so, tell, so tell me about Big. For those of you that, you know, that haven't heard it, yeah. this particular story, tell me what happened when you saw Big. It was that element, like Officer and a Gentleman obviously wasn't fantastical storytelling, but Splash was, mm-hmm. right? And and then Big was. These are it's fantasy. Like, yeah. when are you ever going to see a mermaid? Yeah. yeah. A love story. You know, then Big, just going back to his youth, excuse me. These are called genie out of the bottle films. So they're, right. they're the, kind of like these wish 
right? Because yeah, in both films. of theirs, exactly. there's a kind of a wish. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you were drawn to that fantastical element. Yeah, it took me, I think it took me out of my current reality. Okay. So it, it kind of, and this is going to sound a bit flowery, but I transcended. So I transcended into a world. I remember having a conversation, dude, these old stories are coming back. I was, I'd watched Splash the night before. Oh, BMX bandits as well. Oh my goodness. So I, it, oh. these are not AFI top 100 films, but I'm glad that they were meaningful. Nicole to, Kidman was in BMX bandits when she was about eight. So anyway, I was, I remember playing in the, in, 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 in a yard with my friend. And he said, you were going to oh, say the garden. It's okay. Be, the garden. be a okay, in, be the, a in his garden. There were no herbs, herbs. And um, he said, oh, I said, I watched a film called Splash last night. And I remember saying to him, I'm a mermaid. Yeah. Because I believed well, it's it. this transformation. Your kids do this all the time, right? Of I mean, course you play, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it took me... It took me so deep into a world that I'd never experienced before, and I think that's the way that it's like. I mean, I remember you've you've got uh, you've got two children. I've got I've got four kids. I remember whenever my boys would watch any kind of, in fact, the other day, any kind of superhero film in the backyard, they're acting this out, which is yeah. both beautiful and dangerous yeah, at the yeah, same time amazing. because they're going to do something crazy. <laughs> my sons have leapt off roofs, and my oh, gutter's still God. hanging si askew because my boys <laughs> leaped off the, the roof of my house. But just recently, they reconnected with this film that had to do, I can't remember what it's called, but something about ninjas. And all like all of them just sat there entranced in this film because I think it took them back, back to their own childhood about how they would, like, you know, you know, and then, you know, how boys are. They start yeah. doing ninjas. You know, it's going to go I wrong. Do. You know that it's going to go wrong. So there was something I, I wonder if for every actor, because I know this is your your primary art form. It's not the only thing you do. You direct, you produce. But for an actor, do you think the idea that I can become someone else or something else was that like the 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 seed for you do you think i think i learned that okay i don't know if i had language for sure it, but i think the fact that i would go home and dream about the storyline and the actors i think yeah. it probably around the age of 13 i definitely could give language to it all right so at thir when do you when do you go and see tom hanks in big when's that Good. i think i was 12 13 so it was okay. 84 Wait, it was, I was born in 75. I think it was 86. So maybe 11, 12, some 87. So it's interesting because that's like right there at the bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, right, yeah, rite yeah. of passage, Come right? Age, so you're 12, yeah. 13, you're becoming a young man. Tell me about this moment when you're sitting there watching Big. Yeah. I, I say to my dad afterwards, I remember leaving the movie theater and I was like, we call it the cinema, the pictures. Um, dad, I want to be an actor. And I think it caught my dad off guard. But I think, you know, you know, when you're 12, you're like, I want to be an astronaut. Okay, great, son. Amazing. Brilliant, you know, but my dad would at least enable these conversations. Now check this out. When yeah. my dad was about 10 and bearing in mind, mm -hmm. he comes from a family of 10 from a village of about 3000 people in the South of Italy. I mean, this village is tiny. So like working class. Oh, just no below working class. Okay. I mean, like below working class, 10 of them living in this house. And your dad, he, I mean, I, I, I've met him. He's, oh gosh, one of the most lovely people, both your parents, but your dad, um, he had become successful. I mean, he had really worked his way, really worked his way, really did. But one of the interesting things was his teacher, when he was about eight or nine, asked him what he wanted to be. Mm. And he said, I want to be an actor. And they oh. laughed him outside of the classroom. Wow. So this kind of played back. So now you say that. So to now him. I say that. And to how him. did he react? I mean, recalling that far back, I remember what my dad said a lot of was like, 
he was telling me that it was such a precarious industry right. to go into. And a lot of the time he'd say, no, or mm-hmm. do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, interesting. So do you think he didn't want you to get hurt the way that maybe he'd been hurt? I mean, I think there was some of that. I think yeah. really the urge behind him was how hungry are you? Okay. So he's, he's, he was testing. He was in, testing in a good way. In a good way in the sense that like, if you can handle my no and make it your yes, mm-hmm. then we'll see what happens because he wasn't trying to quash the dream. Okay. You didn't, it, se- you didn't sense that. Uh, because I, I would yeah. imagine that there's a lot of artists out there that have had that same conversation, that no, totally. same moment. And it's probably gone a couple different ways. I mean, for some, it's probably shut them down. But, but it's interesting that, at least for you, that didn't feel like it was a shutdown. It was more of a test or a challenge, which is interesting because, you know, in story, the protagonist, right. he gets the call. Yeah. And then it's tested yeah. or resisted to see, yeah. are you willing to overcome it? Yeah. And I wonder whether that speaks more about me than it mostly speaks about my dad or other people. But I, I, I formulated that kind of answer afterwards. And I think he corroborated that. All right. So he says no, but it feels yeah. more like a test or a challenge. You've been inspired by yep. this Tom Hanks big film, which is absolutely brilliant film. Amazing. The first thing my dad says, he says, okay, if you want to do it, get an acting teacher. So what do you do? I go to the yellow pages. No, it's serious. Cause again, was... dating himself. So notice we've gone from VHS <laughs> to the yellow page. For those of you that are maybe from a different generation and everything's like Wikipedia and Google, yep. this used to be a big fat yellow book yep. that used to be dropped off randomly in front of people's homes yeah. where you could literally 100%. find every single phone number that you could imagine. So you go in the yellow pages and what do you start? What do you yeah, like? So I, I, it's actually the Amazon rainforest. So, so you... I opened the Amazon rainforest um, and I look for acting teachers. And you go to AAA acting because it was the first one. Absolutely. Listed, right? I go down to the first one. Uh-huh. I call them. They say we have openings. Oh, so and no joke. It. Like the first no one. No joke. No joke. The first one, my dad says, I'll pay for you to do it. And okay. So see, that's telling to me yeah. because he said no, but he was still willing to resource. Yeah. No, To absolutely. resource you and yeah, back yeah. you. Yeah. I- interesting. I think, I think that, you know, I think this is an important moment because I think there's a lot of maybe parents, pastors, you know, gatekeepers out there who have kids who are legitimately. Yeah worried and scared because listen, it is much easier to be an accountant than to be an artist, (laughs) safe to say. And it's, you know, it's an industry that has some edges on it. I think sometimes the church talks about the entertainment industry in a, in a, in a somewhat doomsday-ish kind of way. I think it's true that there's some rough things going on. I also think there's a lot of tremendously good, good people that are trying to do something really fantastic. And, and I, I think we're going to get a chance to talk to those as we well. Are. I mean, you and I are both in it. And I, I want to say, well, we just, just just to talk to that. It's like the entertainment industry isn't the big bad dragon. Good. I'm like, the entertainment industry is, is beautiful. Yeah. Are there bad things in it? Well, yeah, but there are in tech. Mm-hmm. There are in big companies. And I want to say like, you know, just because your son or daughter may want to be an actor or an actress, a dancer, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I don't think we should quash those dreams. I think we have to explore them with the Lord. Like my dad wasn't a believer at the time. We weren't believers that we were Catholic. Oh, we were Catholics. Oh, okay. No, no, no. We all got, I mean, listen, whatever we want to talk about salvation, that's a True. theological thing, but we love the Lord, but I don't know if we would have called ourselves. What we Look, I don't know about now. you, but I've actually had, at times, at times, I've had people from the industry who aren't believers back me and support me more strongly mm-hmm. than some within the church. I've actually gotten 
at a couple key points in my life, not always, and beautiful believers in the church as well that have been incredibly uh, supportive to me, but at a couple key points, I've actually sometimes felt better supported by people who aren't believers in the industry because I think, you know, they're legitimately scared. All right, so let's get back to you. So yeah, yeah. you've got this moment with your dad, you go to your first um, acting acting class. How, how yeah. was that? Phenomenal. We 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 started looking at. Uh, Do you remember an, what you did? Yeah, Al, an Alan Akebourne piece. Okay. So Alan Akebourne is one of the most prolific British comedic playwrights. Okay. So I remember doing a piece from him, and then I remember doing a, a monologue from Puck, Midsummer Night's Dream, and I learned that. And um, oh, that's why that piece is near and dear to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you know what I mean. So it's kind of. Um, I learned those two pieces, so a classical and, and, a, and a modern piece. Wow, you piece. started with Midsummer for your first- Started wow. with Midsummer. You guys, you Brits don't mess around. <sighs> no. And, I probably and, did a monologue from Growing Pains first. No, I'm trying to, no but and I think that's why I have such a high value. I mean, we'll go back to what Diane Venora, a friend of ours, talked yeah. about, said to me about Shakespeare, but I think I actually had a value. I have more of a value it for it now because of how the Brits train, you know? Well, listen, I mean, uh, you know, this, this episode's about you, but I, I do remember the first moment I heard uh, Richard Burton mm. do his version of Hamlet. Mm. And it was just a recording. It was on cassette. So now I date myself here. It was on cassette on a boombox in the 80s nice. while working out. But I just remember the sound of his voice. Mm -hmm. And I remember the words. I remember not understanding fully. I mean, I was like a 13-year-old from the barrio. I mean, the closest thing to culture that I got to was like mango and Cuban coffee. <laughs> but I remember good. that I, though I didn't understand the words, I was just deeply affected and moved. Mm. Still to this day, I can remember this. Okay, so you, you go to AAA acting mm -hmm. in the UK and you do these two monologues. Talk to me about your first professional experience. Let's flash forward. Do you remember uh, yeah. that first thing? Yeah. Was it walking out on stage? What was that? Yeah. So I, I did my first professional gig at 19. Okay. And it was at the Crucible Theater in Sheffield. Were you still in conservatory or what, what do you? No, pre-conservatory. Oh, okay. Pre-conservatory. So it was, it was a fantastic experience. And um, what piece were you doing? It was called A Father's Son. Oh. And it was a musical. Okay. Um, but it was about, it was based on the city that I lived in. In, in Sheffield. Sheffield. Okay. And um, it was a, a really, really beautiful piece. And it was on the Crucible Theatre, which is one of the most prolific theatres in the UK. Wow. You know, you're talking like Ian McKellen. Wow. Um, uh, Richard, uh, Richard Branner. My goodness. Kenneth Branner. God. <laughs> so this is hallowed ground. It it really it's is. It's seeped it, it with really, really acting is. anointing. Yeah, it really is. Um, that was my first, and then I went to conservatory after that. Okay. So you go to conservatory. I, I need to ask you this question because it's a topic that for me has like a lot of layers to it. You know, because often our students, depending on, you know, at the at Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, they... They're, they're in different places with their walk with the Lord, and they're certainly in different levels of ability and whatnot. Mm. For me, I went to conservatory not being in a relationship with the Lord. I was a cultural Catholic, but I wasn't saved at the yeah. time. And I often wonder the effect that it has learning your craft outside of a relationship with the Lord. So were you saved when you went to conservatory as you learned yeah. this craft called acting? Yeah, 100% saved. I've been a Christian, like I went at 19, so I think I was saved by three and a half years. And 
what was the experience like at conservatory for you? Because for me, it was complicated. So talk to me about as you learned this craft, was it easy? What is, was it hard? Unpack that for me. I'm not going to lie to you. I had the best time of my life. Nice. I, I don't know if I knew too much. I mean, so just backtrack a bit. When my dad said no, I started calling all the conservatories that were boarding schools at 13 years old and asking for their brochures. Okay, listen, this I got I got I got I got to highlight your hustle because he gets a no from his dad, he gets the yellow pages and now he starts like just looking for mm-hmm. for classes. Same thing with a school. This idea of hustle which we will talk a lot about yeah, yeah, a lot yeah, because yeah. I think you and I Yeah. you know, we be, we believe in the gospel of Jesus and we believe also in hustle. You you were determined. I was very determined, even in the midst of no and in the midst of like trying to figure out if my dad would pay for it because I couldn't afford it. How essential is determination to be an artist? It has to be the main thing. Yeah. I, I, why? I don't... Why? Why? Why is determination so important? Because, you, you, listen, if if you want to be a hobbyist, then of course you can you can you can do it part time. You can do it as an inspiration. You mm-hmm. can do it. it's cathartic. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a professional artist, mm-hmm. you have to train. Mm-hmm. We can't minimize training. Like you can't minimize training in the medical profession or in the financial sector or in any other sector. We try to minimize it in in our art form because we believe the Holy Spirit, if he calls you to LA at some point, you can just go and do it, which we know is not true. Yeah, you and I joke all the time that it's like, you know, just because you got a prophetic word, you know, at a Bethel conference on the way to the bathroom to be a, a you know, a brain surgeon doesn't necessarily mean that I want you doing brain surgery on, on you me, right? without yeah. training. Exactly. Yeah. And somehow, somehow we've put forth this idea that simply because we have an idea or we got a word, but you know, if you look at scripture, right? Like, Every prophetic word, well, I don't know if I can say every, but many, if not all prophetic words are an invitation to partner with God and they are conditional. If this, then this, hey, I call you to this, Yeah. right? Draw near to me. I draw near to you. The Lord is constantly saying, hey, let's do this together. But look at, look at the Israelites, right? Like, I mean, they had a, they had a prophetic word over Mm -hmm. them and then they wandered for 40 years because they decided to not partner with God. So what I'm hearing you say is you felt this call. Yeah. But you had to partner in hard work and belief. Of course, nothing happens. I don't really think anything really happens without intention and just happens by osmosis. Yep. So, yeah. So, I mean, I the funny thing was my dad would keep saying no. So I went to I went to university okay. and started doing, um, I did a course in law and business okay. and was basically, you know, three months in, I said, my dad said he wasn't going to pay for anything. So I, t- I, was, I trained as a hairdresser. Wow. My dad was an artist. Wow. So I want to say I learned nuance and detail in artistry Mm. from my father so we were sat down in a pub and i said dad i can't continue to go listen i can't continue to do this i i I said well what do you want to do i said i want to be an actor said okay cool i'll support you wow so he saw the determination i mean i'm talking like over a six-year period oh sure sure right sure and then he went okay i'll support you and that moment on that next six months after i got that first gig and then in the September, I went to conservatory and he supported me throughout. God bless his, God bless him. So you go to conservatory and you described it as like a, a, a joyful experience. It was amazing. I, yeah. And, and now you, you graduate, Yeah, you graduate from conservatory and talk to me about your first professional moments because, yeah. you know, there's the experience of conservatory, which is like being in a sandbox. It's like being at mom oh. and dad's, right? I mean, you've, 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 you've got the protection and the covering of some kind yep. or another. It's a safe place. We often say at, at, 
at BCA at, at the conservatory that we wanted to create a safe place to take risks because yep. ultimately you're going to get out there in the world. Talk to me about those first steps, man. What was the difference for you but from being inside conservatory to now out in the world as as a new professional? So, yeah. So I was... I got repped as soon as I got out of conservatory. So Nicely I was kind of done. Nicely done. Thank you. So I was kind of blessed with that, even though he was a horrendous agent and treated me terribly. I, first agents. Horrendous. First agents are like first girlfriends. Like they can go one of two ways. I mean, it's either going to be great or it's going to be. It was abusive. Like <laughs> it was so abusive and manipulative. So that wasn't great. But I got my own first gig. So I didn't work straight out. I, I think I graduated in the July, met my wife. Nice. And then I didn't work until the October, November. All right, let's take a quick parenthetical because she's here in the studio with her. She's One of gorgeous. Loveliest, she's... most beautiful women. Um, but it's interesting. And you know, this will come up in our story when we talk about it, but she's an artist too. She is. I actually met her. So in my year, there was a Russian dancer. Yeah. And he said, oh, you've got to meet this crazy Christian. Because my wife, Claire, uh -huh. went to the same conservatory as myself six years prior. Oh, wow. Okay. So she, she was like 12. She was, yes. She probably looked 12. She was 16. Her parents are the most amazing people, but they trusted her to go to conservatory at 16. And to do in what? In London. To dance. do what? Yeah. Which, you know, if you're a mom or a dad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how did you do that? Like, but they were trusting, but she's an amazingly solid person. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, we, we met, he was trying to get us together all year. We met on the, on my graduation. The last day we could possibly meet, we met. And I saw a photo of her throughout that year. And I was like, wow, she's really, really beautiful. Um, and then we met and we sat and we chatted. And just the week before we both ended up, we just split up with our previous partners. So an actor and a dancer, I mean, this is a great financial recipe for a future. Like, I mean, this is, this is sounding like a very stable life. Yeah. It's a financial recipe for choice. disaster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what it's like. You married one as well. <laughs> I did. You brother. were just a lot more successful than I was. But um, I... <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, I was blessed that I was I got a lot of theater gigs out the gate. So you were saved. You were in conservatory, met the girl who would become your future wife and mother to yeah. your kids, uh, actor, dancer. You go out. Talk to me about these first moments. Because, I mean, when you leave school, you're just so excited to to, yeah. to work. But then, then this very different journey begins. Talk to me a little bit about the ebbs and the flows, the highs and the lows yeah. of being a professional actor. Well, obviously, you think you're going to leave drama school and become Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, listen, Don't man, I, I had, well, yeah. Oh, of listen, course by, you do. <laughs> by 30, by 30, there was Tom Cruise, and I'm like, yep, yep, yeah. 29, 30, boom, first mil. Yeah. yeah still waiting on that, but. but <laughs> you, you've done it, though, dude. You've done it. <laughs> yeah, and I've spent it. So. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the highs and the lows. How about this? What was your first biggest challenge as as a professional actor? What was your first toughest moment? So when I left, um, so when I left drama school, I, I, let me give you a highlight. Yeah the 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 lead in Les Mis at the time. Yeah, was like I think he was playing Marius. I think he was playing Marius. So Jean Valjean mm. was like, I'm going to put you in front of the casting directs of Les Mis because I think wow. that's a perfect fit for you. Nothing you guys happened. were buddies? You were friends? or No, he just saw me. He was just at my showcase. Oh, right on. Um, and then I think that um, obviously this, this the low was my agent. Your first it, one. It was really horrible because I mean, he put me up for things, you know, TV and that, but I just, 
he was just very he was an older guy very manipulative boutique agent um and it was just he just didn't treat me well he was very very abusive and manipulative it's funny i had a very similar very similar really? experience yeah and it, it's it almost makes you wonder and i mean this is probably why parents you know are you know sometimes get concerned about these things because there is a certain personality type you know i mean i think there's a lot of amazing people in the industry but i think in any industry you get a certain type that likes to find that young artist. And I don't know if it's because they're hurt or they're mm. broken or they're disappointed because there is a fair amount of disappointment and cynicism. I mean, I think every person, this is actually occurring to me right now. I don't, I don't think there's one person that comes to the entertainment industry for a different reason than what you described, which is there was a movie, there was an experience, there was yeah. magic there was something magical and inspirational mm. at the beginning. And mm. somewhere along the way, they got hurt. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you end up catching them on the back end of their journey when they've been hurt. Yeah. And in some ways, almost like people who, who maybe deal with physical abuse or whatnot, it's like they take out their disappointment and their cynicism on you. I had a, I had a very uh, similar, similar experience. And I think for young artists that are out there that are maybe interacting, with, remember that you don't, you don't need to be treated that way. Right. And we're going to talk a lot about artists not being prostitutes in the sense of allowing themselves to be used and abused. Yeah. So your first low is this agent. Yeah. Talk I was... to me about this high though. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, let me talk to you about yeah. this low. This is, this is what he did. So I was, I was, I got a tour in October and my mother-in-law was dealing with, with breast cancer. Like it had come back, it'd gone to a brain tumor. This, this is how abuse, I'm going to, this is how abusive he was. And listen, there's always a silver lining and, and there's always God redeems everything and he wastes nothing. And, you know, God takes us through hard times, but this is, this was a really tough time. So my wife calls me and she's like, um, I, I don't think my mom's going to make it. So I tell my, uh, my agent that I'm probably going to have to have a couple of shows off. Mm -hmm. And this is what my agent says. I can't believe that you would take two shows off because your mother-in-law is dying. I think she would be happy knowing that you're doing, you're on stage doing what you love. Oh my goodness. And dude, he actually, he went into me. Like he absolutely tore me a new one. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Yeah. You're young and, and, and you don't, you know, it, it, I mean, at least for me in certain occasions, I didn't know, I didn't know better. You only know what you know. Right. So I thought, oh my goodness. Did you take the shows off? Of course I did. Good for you. Of course I did. I'm not going to listen to him. It was like, no way. So that was one, that was a low. The high then after that, I think after that, obviously it was super hard losing my mother-in-law. I only knew her for six weeks. Oh gosh. Beautiful woman. She was like an actress as well and wow. creative and just, that's why I think where Claire gets a lot of her creative. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of creatives and artists in that family. I mean, oh yeah. One of the, one of her sisters is a presenter as well. Yeah. News absolutely anchor, yeah. Stunning. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So you, you take these two shows off. That's yeah. the low. Yeah. Talk to me about the. I think that high. after that show, I didn't actually work for six months. Hmm. And then I get my first number one tour. Come on. And it was called The Boyfriend. And. It was my first kind of ensemble role because I did double major. So I did acting yeah. and I did dance. So singing was kind of something that I learned to do. One of my regrets my is thing. not ever seeing you in a tutu. Can I just I say think, like, one oh, of my, dude. just before I go, oh, if you could no, just do that. No. I have a video. Please. 
Dude, send listen, that to me. I have a video from drama school where I am doing this performance in a massive, like 2000 seat theater, and I am in ballet tights. And listen, dude, I don't have ballet legs. They are chicken oh, legs. Oh, stop it now. No, I mean, I love the curvature in your in your legs. <laughs> oh, my It's Lord, just like my no. turnout, which is like 11 o'clock and 2.30. I'm never going to show you that video. No, no, you are, because what we're going to do is, <laughs> no. on social... We need to now petition no, Fab to drop nope, some clips nope. on some of the social media Never, ever going to happen. Ever. So so you go and you have this this ensemble. And what was that like, man? Oh, dude, it was like a three and a half month tour. Wow. And Throughout where? It's like Europe throughout or? the UK. Okay. Yeah, throughout okay. the UK. And it was, oh, it was such a great experience. It was directed by a guy called Ults. Oh. His name was Ults. He, um, he, he had this name in a dream. Amazing director. It was a brilliant, it was a brilliant show. And I felt I was in my stride. Uh-huh. Then I auditioned for South Pacific. Yeah. And then started my next job two weeks after, straight off that tour, wow. back in my home of Sheffield. Wow. And um, doing theater. Yeah, South Pacific. Wow. So you're doing theater, you're doing music theater, but, uh, but I know you also, you got to do film. Talk to me about one of the highs in terms of film. Yeah. <laughs> I always saw myself as a movie star and yeah. only went into musical theater. Yeah. Because I knew the costs were big. Uh-huh. So the opportunity of getting oh, yeah. cast was a lot higher. Yeah, absolutely. Even though I spent, it was a while before I got my first lead. Yeah. Um, the first movie I got was when I was 27. Yeah. And I made the choice to stop doing theater so I could get cast in TV yeah. and movie. Because in the UK, if you're a dancer and a singer and an actor, you're called a turn. And the more the more musical theater you do, it's harder to transition oh, wow. from musical theater to TV. It's really okay, hard. So yeah. I made the decision to stop. My new agent was like, you might be out of work for nine months. I was like, okay, but I want to take the risk. I think I was out of work a bit longer than nine months. But my first, my first film that I ever got was with Angelina Jolie and Gerard Butler. That's not bad. That was Tomb worth Raider the wait. Tomb Raider 2. Dude, and that, there's a lot of stuff that happened up to that point. But um, what was that like? What was that like being? I mean, she she was an absolute megastar, yeah, and and is still you know an A lister. What what? But what was that moment like being on that set with that kind of? I mean, celebrity? the story that goes with that is exceptionally transformative. I I ended up on set, and um, the first I was on set for like three 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 and a half months. Yeah, which is crazy, right? Because what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, and, and you've got some great scenes because I, I I've I've watched them, yeah. but. After it's all edited is what it was like. 13 minutes. 13 minutes, but you're gone for three months. This is how long it takes to get these. Especially on a big action, big budget movie like this. But like for the first three weeks, we were filming in Santorini and I really felt the presence of the Lord. Like Mm. I was so close to him. Like, you know, I had conversations with her and just would bring the Lord in like that. And, you know, it it was phenomenal. I would work out with Gerard Butler. Yeah. He would call me his crazy Christian friend and all this kind of stuff. And then I had two months. Did he off. already have like the three hundred abs? Did he have the three hundred abs? Or he was, was jacked. He, he was jacked. He was jacked. Yeah, he was. We were. He was very fit. But me and him would just work out together. Wow, that's cool. Um, with Angelina's trainer, and um, because I just asked him, I said, "Can I work out with you, bro?" And he was like, "Yeah, of course." So um, and then I, I love it because you're cheeky like that. I am cheeky, a little bit cheeky. You will know that. <laughs> um, but then I had two months off. Wow. Before I went back to film in the January again. Yeah. The amount of entitlement that set back mm-hmm. in from that January, I thought I was already a movie star. Sure. And I was like, dude, you've, you've got a best of support and role in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, it was great. Mm-hmm. I, thought my mo- I thought my career was going to completely 
go off the charts after that. Here's the thing, though. If you don't believe that, then you don't continue. And, and, and there, there no. is this kind of almost required delusion <laughs> that you have yeah. or belief or, or whatever it is that we want to call it, where you have to believe, hey, from here, it's only up. Yeah. And the funny thing my agent said, you've had a great high experience, but you've got to experience a downturn now before it will go up again. And I'm like, how are you marketing me? Like, did you do marketing 101 or not? Because that was the most ridiculous experience. Because straight after Tomb Raider, yeah. I got another movie called Imbroglio, which mm -hmm. was a short, but it got nominated for Best British at the Rain Dance, which is one of the feeders into the Oscars. So this is dangerous territory because now you have two two back to back big things, right? You know, and then and then what? Her prophetic word was right. Yeah, it it, it crashed. I was Lucinda Sison was. They were kind of sniffing. I was trying to, I was mm. getting horse riding lessons for Troy. Yeah. Um, but never, nothing ever happened with that. But like, it, it, nothing happened. The industry, and this is, I think, one of the toughest things about mm -hmm. it. And I want to ask you a couple of questions here in our, in our remaining moments. Um, yeah. Is that it's non, it's non-linear. No. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, the unedited version of life doesn't feel like a well-edited film. No, you know, I, I, I teach episodic and this morning I was thinking about how, that life is closer to episodic TV mm -hmm. where, you know, you have, you have the, you've got this overarching story, yeah, right? There's a series called, you know, fob. No, there's a series fob, but episode to episode, you can have some highs and some lows and they don't always feel like they're moving towards the thing that you thought they were moving towards. Yeah, And the protagonist always gets pummeled. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you and I got to know Chuck and Carrie. Yeah. Um, who did Pummel the protagonist. And, and Chuck, Chuck, you know, they're, they're East Coasters. So when they talk about the story, there's this kind of East Coast gruff grit. and yeah, grit yeah. and brutality about it. And there's this line that I often quote with my screenwriting students where I say, listen, you need to stop being a polite Christian mm -hmm. and you literally need to crush your protagonist. In fact, if your protagonist <laughs> met you on the street, they should want to throat punch you yeah, exactly. for what you've put them through. Yeah. So, man, let me ask you a question. You had, you've had these highs and these lows. You learned your craft um, with the Lord in belief. Mm. I know that it's been a journey with you around acting. There's been seasons where you've been, you've been far away from it. Um, in that, after that season of going away from it, talk to me about the moment. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple questions for you, but this last key moment I want to ask you about is, what has the Lord done after taking this break, this journey away from the craft, trying mm -hmm. to re-understand it again, how has the Lord transformed the craft of acting for you in the last few years? What has it become now? It was magical. It was high. It was low. It was entitlement. It was high moments, low moments. What is acting to you now? Acting for me is life and it's breath. And this that, is not to say to that yeah. Jesus isn't my savior. He is. I'm doing this from a point of health and what the Lord has given me as a gift. When I think of acting, it's, it's who I am. Mm. It's the air that I breathe. Mm. Like we say, you well, acting is what you do. It is until you know who you are and that mm. you know that acting is a gift from God to worship him. Mm. So it's my gift back to him. Mm. It's my gift to the students that I teach. Mm. It's life for me. Like I could never imagine doing 
anything else, whether I'm acting in a TV show, a play, or just teaching. And I don't say, and just teaching lightly, because when you teach, it's one of the most amazing gifts you have because you get to leave a legacy with the next generation. Listen, the Lord was called rabbi. Yeah. Rabbi means teacher. And there was, there was a, there was this moment a few weeks ago where, where I was about to go in and teach screenwriting. And the Lord said to me, I'd been in the gospel of John and the Lord's, I noticed that they called him rabbi. And the Lord said to me, did you notice what they call me? They call me teacher. Mm -hmm. So the next time you walk in that room, remember who you are. You walk in as me, Mm -hmm. rabbi, teacher. What has teaching acting, has it transformed how you see the craft? Oh, on a molecular level. How so? Because when you do it, you have your own form and you, 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 mm-hmm. you do it from how you've trained and it becomes second nature and you, you, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. Right. You just get, I don't think about riding a bike now. Yeah. It's the same with my craft. But when I had to dissect it, I had a value mm. for how the Lord made the human. Mm. Because we don't just read words. We have to make, oh my gosh, John 1 and the word became flesh. Mm-hmm. When I take your words mm. or when I take the words of the playwright, I have to make those words become flesh. Mm. And then when I speak the words, because the fullness of the Godhead dwells in me, I speak the words of the playwright and as if they're the words of the Lord going out to transform the audience so that they can have an encounter. So the way I see it is, it's our way to show humanity mm. in a temple of the Holy Spirit that Listen, it doesn't matter whether I'm reading the Bible, whether I'm reading, you know, a David Mamet piece, an Arthur Miller piece, a Shakespearean piece. I know that I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit housing this, this talent to show the face of God to the audience. Dude, teaching, acting has just made it, oh man, I don't know. It's, it's made me love it even more. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me love it even more because I see the breakthrough that the craft brings to the students. And I think that's something um, that I'm excited to explore. I remember when the four of us, um, my wife's a dancer as well, and the four of us uh, were in Canada and um, the Lord said, you know, what you, what you call creativity, I call breakthrough. Yeah. You know, when you think about creativity, that's what it does. It breaks something new through. I got one last question for you, men, as we wrap up. If you were to talk mm-hmm. to that young boy, the you when you were eight, father to son, you today to that boy yesterday, what would you tell him? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Trust the journey. It's going to look different. Yeah. It's going to look different than you think it's going to be, but he is your promoter. You may think you're going to get an interstellar straight away, but it may not happen that way. Stay close to him. Keep training. Mm. But it's going to be okay. It's been good hanging out with you today, man. You too, bro. I knew I knew for a fact that I was going to hear some things I'd never heard before. Yeah. Thanks for being with us today here on Storia. We're so excited to, to bring guests from around the world, both inside and outside of the church. We're going to see painters and sculptors and choreographers pastors and preachers and poets and dancers of all kinds. We're so excited to explore both God and creativity with you. See you soon.